The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. The tractor said Clay Helton would be fired after a losing start to the season. Optimists hope for better. The results? Purgatory. Uber-talented USC is 3-3, three and three, with both a shot at the Rose Bowl and way too many flaws to predict they actually get there. Saturday night in the Coliseum, Troy enters the stretch run against one of the teams standing in the way of a second-half rebound. Arizona is tops in the division, armed with a mostly healed Khalil Tate, who's primed to get to the edge. It's the Trojans, it's the Wildcats, it's a battle of two vulnerable defenses ripe for Pac-12 after dark. Raina Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Can I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Get Michael Castillo on the phone. <laughs> Scrap, claw, up against the wall. Can't explain that what I'm feeling right now, guys. Oh, I can't believe USB is five and seven and not going to a ball. Oh. All right, Trojan fans, turn up the volume. It's time for Reign of Troy Radio. Here's your host, Michael Castillo. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Reign of Troy Radio, episode 339, coming to you on Thursday, October 17th. We're going to preview USC and Arizona in a big Pac-12 South showdown at the Coliseum on Saturday night, 6.30 p.m. on the Pac-12 network. Everyone's going to be watching, probably, maybe. Hmm. Everyone who can. Hey, you're not supposed to talk yet until I until oh. I throw it over to you. You're pulling a Doughboys. <laughs> you don't get that reference. Makes me sad. Uh, <laughs> you can follow us on Twitter at Reign of Troy. Uh, like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Reign of Troy. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn. Should, do I might keep going? Get, uh, Overcast, Google Play. There you go. Spreaker. Yeah, bonus episodes on Patreon, patreon.com slash Reign of Troy. Email address, Reign of Troy, and our phone number, 213-373-1USC, Second Westbrook Show. I'm your host, Michael Castillo. Join along with my co-host from the Reign of Troy studio in Los Angeles, Alicia Deratola. Hello, everybody. Hello. There you go. You, you can talk now. You got permission. Oh, uh, do I? Thank you. <laughs> How very generous of you. Makes no sense. I know. I, I, I get it. I'm the dick of the podcast. I get it. No. Yeah. You're appreciated. Even when you're bossing me around. Mm, eh, I don't know. Uh, hey, you let us have the air conditioner on, so... I did. I'm, I'm super excited for this. I did. It was hilarious. Because we before we started, I'm like, that sound. Is the AC on? And you're like, yeah, but... You know, do I have to turn it off? No, no the, the 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 phrasing that was used was, it's up to you. Which which means it's not up to me. W no, which means, like, you get to choose, because I'm not going to turn it off unless you tell me to turn it off. Which means you wanted it on, because and for I'm me, a pleaser. Well, see, this is why, this is why, what people don't understand is that I'm the one who doesn't care about their audible comfort. Uh, I will subject them to background noise rather than sit in in, in a stuffy over hot studio where you would suffer for the peoples but i won't 
Yeah, it's because I care about the people. Yeah, at home. yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. But except for tonight. I know we've we've got the AC on, so we won't completely die in here, which means it's not really going to have that car cast feel. No, sorry, Keely. Uh, but this is not a car cast, so you don't have to worry about that. Uh, we're going to be talking about USC and Arizona, and a weird game in the sense that you could call this a Pac-12 South. Um, I mean, if Arizona would have beaten Washington, they would have been three and zero and in the driver's seat in the Pac-12 South. Uh, they're not. It's like a four-way tie at two and one in the division with Utah, ASU, Arizona. And I see all four teams have, I don't want to say an equal shot, but sort of an equal shot in the sense that they all, e- they all have the the, um, the the season ahead of them to have an opportunity to play Oregon in the Pac-12 championship game. They're all on equal footing for now. Yeah. They're all on equal footing. I, I think Utah's the best team, but yeah. SC needs to you know keep winning and hold pace and hold serve because uh, SC controls their own destiny in the Pac-12 South. As Thanks, told, Clay. I know. As told to us by Clay Helton. Uh, anyways, there's so much more that you can talk about about USC football, not just in this episode, but over on Patreon, where you can find Alicia's practice car cast. You can find the rewatch where you go back in detail talking about what happened between USC and Notre Dame and every other game on USC's schedule, as well as a pregame Q&A that we're going to record and post on Friday. Those go up every Friday. We take more questions from our patrons on Slack or on Patreon or anywhere else, uh, and we answer those as well. It's kind of like an extended mailbag of sorts. So patreon.com slash Reign of Troy is where you can do that. Join for five fifty five to get all of our bonus content. For 10 bucks, you can join the Slack and have a party with us. Yeah, all day, all, day, all night, talking USC football, talking random nerdy stuff, uh, talking food, talking whatever. Uh, talking weird rumors about, you know, who the next AD is going to be, who the next coach is going to be, even though USC doesn't need a head coach right now. Uh, we're just talk- talking all the time. So uh, it's it's a fun little group in there. And uh, if you want to be part of it, join up and have some really uh, lively discussions during the games, too. That's right. And you can also support the show by giving us a review like the one we got on Apple Podcasts. Uh, this comes from Mario in Tucson, who says... Michael and Alicia give us five stars and says, time for a change. Michael and Alicia, I want to tell you both that I love what you bring to the podcast. I'm excited to hear from you both. Now for my rant. Suddenly, like, our reviews have become the place (laughs) where people rant and ask questions. Hey, if people want to leave us five stars, they can rant all they want in our reviews. Yeah, it's fine with me. Uh, Now for my rant. I do think it's time to move on from Clay Helton. He does seem like a nice man in person. But being a head coach at one of the blue bloods in college football, he is not. He seems to say the same stuff every week about how only if this and if we had done that, I as a Trojan fan am tired of the mediocrity he is dragging us down to. It's time to bring in a coach that demands respect from other coaches and players in the college football world. We are losing recruits because of this coach. If this change is not made, USC will stay a laughingstock. Thank you both and fight on Mario and Tucson. Thanks for the review, Mario. Uh, yeah, uh, your sentiments about Clay Helton are shared by a lot of other a lot of other fans out there, and it's the kind of thing that you know we'll just we'll we'll you know a lot has been said. We'll see, we'll see. But thanks for the review. Thanks for the kind words. Yep, one hundred percent. Let's get to the news. We'll be right back. Uh, 
Alicia, let's get to the news because suddenly Injury Island has become like Injury Archipelago, sort of. That That's one way to put it, sure. Could call it a continent, too. Is it a continent? Is, I mean, is Greenland a continent? Is it? I mean, it depends who you ask. I've actually watched videos on YouTube about uh-huh. this. It's very fascinating about all the different things about what is and what isn't a continent. This like, sounds like something for After Dark. It does. Yes. I mean, you can talk about Greenland, Madagascar, too. We can talk about all these. Non-continents. That are non-continents. maybe continents. Maybe. Or injuries, yes. Or injuries. Uh, let's talk about the injuries. <laughs> Yeah, USC has a lot of injuries. So gear up for this one, guys. It's going to go on a little while. Uh, Palaian Ateote sprained his ankle. It's a high ankle sprain, so he is doubtful, more likely out for the Arizona game. Greg Johnson uh, uh, dislocated his shoulder, so he is definitely out for the Arizona game. Vivai Malapai is having surgery on his knee, so he is definitely out for the Arizona game. Josh Follow is still sitting out with his own knee sprain out for the Arizona game. Doubtful, questionable for the Arizona game. Uh, Cornerback Elijah Griffin has a bulging disc in his lower back, so he is a wait and see. Uh, Isaac Taylor Stewart, uh, USC's other starting cornerback, has a high ankle sprain, and he is a wait and see. Uh, Defensive lineman Christian Rector also has an ankle sprain. He was unable to practice on Wednesday, so not sure about his status. And Tyler Vons, USC's starting wide receiver, was not practicing on Wednesday. No idea what that is about, but he he was uh not in um not in pads. So that is just the starters slash major contributors who are out for this game, and it is pretty long and pretty non hopeful. Like Isaac Taylor Stewart might might play, but it's it's pro like you sort of have to go into it thinking he's probably not. Um, the two that we don't know about so far is Christian Rector and Tyler Vons, but as I always say in my practice car cast, if you're not practicing on Wednesday, the chances of you being ready to go on Saturday diminish. So, yeah, not the best day, not the best week for you. Not that there's an ideal week to lose your top three cornerbacks. Uh, and, Only and if, if you're going to play an FCS school. Well, yeah. it would be much. It would be great if you had a bye week or an FCS team on the schedule. Aren't when, they the same thing, basically? Well, uh, yeah. Uh, but when you have Khalil Tate and Arizona coming to town, uh, not an ideal time to have your defense get wrecked. Dirt? Wrecked dirt? Ha! Ba-dum-dish. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I put on Twitter, this reminds me of the 2013 USC-Arizona game, the, the first game under Cocho, in which SC stood it up to that game without Marquise Lee... Darius Rogers and Devon Flournoy at wide receiver. Do you know who started across from Nelson Aguilar in that game? Who was the other wide receiver? Was Victor Blackwell involved? Victor in that? Blackwell. Didn't he have like a thirty-yard catch and it was like, yeah, go I, Victor Blackwell. I want to say he had like a thirty-yard catch against Fresno State. Was it that a different year? game? Or that was the following year? He like carried dude, dudes on his back, like Marquis Step, something like that. And then he was like off the team two weeks later. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was weird, but. Yeah, Victor Blackwell. Was that the game started. when USC had no tight ends? I want to say it was. Yeah, that might have been the game when they literally had no tight ends. Yeah, there was a, there was a couple of... Was, 2013, the injuries were horrendous for USC. And and that was before you had... I mean, Morgan Breslin missed that Arizona game, but mm-hmm. Morgan Breslin came back the week later for the Notre Dame game and then left. 
uh, in that Notre Dame game, I, I think it was Marquise Lee came back and then left again. Uh, you had Leonard Williams miss a game. You had Lamar Dawson get injured with the ACL tear. All these these major injuries in 2013. This kind of feels like that. The difference is so many of these injuries are like one-game injuries. We saw Elijah Griffin miss a game before. We've seen ITS miss a game already. We've seen players miss singular injuries. Not many guys have been out for multiple games, at least of the starters and the guys that you would rely on, uh, except now we see that with Vavai Malapai, and we, we've already seen it with, with Jordan Isefo. So the good news is none of these are overly major, except Vi, maybe? It's, it's the... None of them are killer the way that losing... Um, well, I don't know, because we don't know Tyler Vaughn's status, but like... Losing... I, would, I would say the corner... The, the, the injuries at the corner's... Are is major quantity. because it's it's the quantity of them all happening at the same time. Yeah. Yes. Uh, if you lost one of your starting safeties right now, it would be a big deal. If you lost um, one of your defensive tackles, it would it would be something that would be really really unfortunate. Um, if you lost on any offensive lineman, you'd be in serious trouble. So yeah, there are worse injuries that USC could be suffering right now, but. The sheer number in the in the secondary, because Greg Johnson is the starting nickel, but he's also USC's backup corner. To if if uh, OG and ITS are unavailable, or if Chris Steele is unavailable, so that's three of your top four cornerbacks are out. So and and the replacements that you have for those guys are all true freshmen, most of whom have not played yet. Well, the the good news for not having Elijah Griffin and ITS is that Chris Steele is there. We've seen a lot yes. of Chris Steele the last two weeks. He's looked pretty good. He had the big pass to break up against Notre Dame downfield. He He's played pretty well. So you can feel somewhat comfortable that he's not going to be a liability more than anybody else, right? Yeah. But outside of Chris Steele, who starts at corner and who's in a nickelback? Yeah, it looks like Dorian Hewitt might be the guy at corner. Uh, he's been playing at corner, and they, they seem to the really like him. He's the out of Houston? Yes, yeah. A, a, a guy that uh, they, they recruited because of his versatility. Pretty much all of these guys, they recruited because of their versatility. And, and Greg Burns talked about this uh, this year. They brought him in, and put. they thought that they would try him out in different positions. They got him at corner, and they were like, man, this kid's fast. Uh, he does a lot of things right in terms of the the um, things that they want to see technique-wise. And so they've decided to keep him at corner. So he might get the opportunity there. I'm expecting to see Max Williams be the guy at nickelback uh, and and Chris Steele be the, guy, be the other uh, starter at corner. But um, you also have uh, Jaden Williams potentially. Uh, Max Williams could slot out to corner if you really need him. And then Kaolana Makaula would be the next guy up at, at Nickelback. Uh, that was the other thing that we got answered on Wednesday is um, Chase Williams. As you had tweeted at the time, speculatively, Chase Williams is exclusively a safety now. So they didn't want to ask him to do too much by having to prepare at nickel and corner. and I mean, sorry, at nickel and both safety spots. So uh, Kaolana Makaula is the guy behind Max Williams for now in that nickelback spot. So there's a lot of sort of mixing and matching you can do there, but those are the guys that they think they're going to, they're going to rely on. Yeah. And then Macaula played against Notre Dame because Max Williams 
was uh, suspended for a violation of team rules against Notre Dame. But yes. we saw him against Washington early on in the game. On his first drive of the game, he had he had a sack. He also forced a fumble in the first quarter that ultimately ended up as a touchdown for the yeah. Huskies. But Bad it was luck. something, right? Yeah. So yeah, it's 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 gonna be it's gonna be an interesting interesting night on defense for USC uh, in the Coliseum against Arizona, especially considering this is a team. Uh, in Arizona, who's going to want to throw the football? They're, they're they're really good at that. We're going to talk about that here as we get into the preview portion of it. Let's just get right into it right now. Remember years ago, as in like three, four years ago, when we used to talk about Cal and how Cal was a team that was always in the top ten in S and P plus in offense and deep into the hundreds on defense. How much has changed? <laughs> I know, and now they're a flip flop of that, yeah. right? Arizona is the new Cal. They are 45th in SP plus as a team. Not terrible. I think for Arizona, that's that that's somewhat moderately decent. Yeah. 45th. On offense, they are seventh. On defense, a hundred and fourth. And you just you just look at these numbers. Ninth in total offense, a hundred and nineteenth in total defense. They are the epitome of Big 12 bad. If you think, you know, USC uh, playing a Big 12 bad game, like Arizona is Big 12 bad to like the 10th degree. We're talking about like classic Texas Tech kind of Big 12 bad, which is ironic because they, they played play Texas, Texas Tech, Tech and it was a low scoring yeah. game. Yeah. <laughs> so it's weird. Very, very weird. But that's a Big 12 bad often has those kinds of random games where you get these super high scoring offenses thrown at each other and they all sort of like freeze each other up. Um, but no, I, I totally agree with you. It's it's incredible looking at some of these. No, I mean, 31st in scoring offense, 110th in scoring defense. They score 35.5 points per game. They give up 33 points per game. So that's quite, quite different. Um, in terms of passing offense, they're 18th with 300 yards per game. In terms of passing defense, they're 128th. There are 130 Ooh. schools in FBS, Michael. 128th. Mm. They By the way, a- I have a question that we can answer later. Mm-hmm. On my fantasy team, I have both Keaton Slovis and Khalil Tate. I've been wrestling Ooh. all week on who to start. I, I, It's going to be difficult because 128th pass defense for, for Arizona makes starting Keaton Slovis look really good. But then you think about like what Khalil Tate could do to USC on the edge as a runner, and that's like really good too. I don't, I don't know. It's yeah, we can, we can talk about that later. That's that's <laughs> I don't envy that decision. But suffice it to say, Arizona's offense is very good, and Arizona's defense is very bad. And that's why, if ever there was a game where USC was going to have to prove they can win a shootout, I think this is the game. When you when you compound. USC's own defensive deficiencies with all of the injuries that we just got done talking about and you throw them against Arizona's offense, then it's really going to be this is the game where USC's offense needs to stand up and do and and play a game where they don't let the defense have to do anything. You know, the defense, you want to look at the defense and say, get a couple stops, get whatever stops you can. But ultimately, the offense is going to have to come come away with points way more often than than they have uh, been able to all season. Yeah, I, I, you you said it to me earlier. Like if if this offense doesn't score 40 points on Saturday night, there is a major problem with what yeah. USC can do on offense. Arizona their defense gives up an average of 33 points. So like our rot index of 28 points 
like, jack that up. Jack that up to 38 because... Is it 35? Is it 35 It's maybe? 38. It's, you're, you're putting it straight at 38. I'm putting it straight at 38. Okay. And there's honestly, there's no excuse. Now, Arizona has a couple of players that you like. Uh, their linebackers are, are, are pretty, pretty decent. Uh, Colin Schooler and uh, Tony Fields. And, you know, there's a couple guys that, that you have to worry about. I mean, the, the, one of the things to highlight in this game, uh, from the, the defensive perspective for Arizona is, uh, that we all know USC's offensive line has their struggles, has their moments. The thing that's really popped up this season when it comes to the offensive line struggles is Brett Nealon and his trouble with nose tackles. Well, Arizona has a 325 pound nose tackle named Miles, uh, Tapusoa. I think I'm getting that right. And their defensive tackle, Trayvon Mason, is 310 pounds. So when you're talking about just pure sort of size weight matchups, that's one to worry about as far as Brett Nealon is concerned. But size doesn't necessarily matter if you want it hard enough. (laughs) But but uh, Arizona's defensive line is not not good. they are, they are we're going to talk a little bit later i think in the over unders about sacks and tackles for loss and that kind of thing like yeah arizona's defensive front is um uh not not something to worry about unless you're looking at the 325 pound nose tackle well it's the it's the whole BYU thing right like yeah exactly. going into the BYU game like um, who the heck was uh, Karis Tonga like who the heck was right. he until until he faced USC yeah and then all of a sudden he was the next the second coming of Warren Sapp all of, or, like completely overnight so it's it's wild um I don't trust any defense on either side of the ball here uh we, we can talk about USC's defense in the sense that we know they're before before yeah, you jump in ahead. on USC's defense, I want to just drop a couple more numbers on Arizona's defensive line because Football Outsiders has defensive line stats that I that I kind of love. Uh, so sack rate they rank 127th out of 130. Not good. Stuff rate they rank 90th. Not good. Uh, weirdly, power success rate they're 28th. So power success rate is short yardage. So like third and fourth and one or so uh 28th so i wonder if it's a small sample size maybe? are they just not having a lot of the that might of be, they might not be facing a lot of third and third and fourth and ones but i i will pit marquee step against those guys uh 86th in opportunity rate they give up four yards uh four line yards per i mean uh what what is the opportunity rate is five fi- yards five, five yards 48.6 percent of the time so, Which surprisingly isn't as bad as USC's defense, right? But USC's but, run defense is bad. So, uh, yeah, just 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 to point those out, yeah, the Arizona's defensive line is far, far, far from what Notre Dame's defensive line is. So again, if USC struggles against, you could understand why USC struggled against Notre Dame. If USC struggles against Arizona's defense, then it is an indictment of USC's offense because, in terms of offensive line defensive line matchup. There's not a lot going there. I, I do like uh, I do like Arizona's linebackers. I'll give them that. But like, man, if if USC's offensive line gets pushed around by Arizona's defensive line, then oh man, gear up for the rewatch, guys, because there will be ranting. So I just looked this up. Arizona is 116th in the country at facing um, 
attempts on third downs in third and short. So they don't generate a lot of third. No, it's third the other way around. The rankings are the are backwards. Oh, so uh, they have faced twenty th- twenty three, which the the most of any team uh, is Akron at thirty two. Now of those twenty three attempts on third and short, eleven have gone for first downs. So that's why they're so good. Only eleven of twenty three have have that's converted pretty, the first. Pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So weirdly, they are just good. They're just good at that. Good at good at short yardage, but. Can we flip the defense now? Yes, USC's sorry. Defense? Sorry, I've said my... No, uh, not that I'm trying good. to not that I'm trying to trash Arizona's defensive line, but I think you you got to call a, you know, spade a spade. That that defensive yeah. line is not good. Speaking of defensive lines that did not look good. Yeah. USC's Jeez. against Notre Dame, not very good. Uh one thing that we had talked about uh in the first 5 games of the season, USC's defensive line in the interior was very solid. Marlon Tui Pelotu, Jay Tufele, Brandon Peely, uh, you can throw Christian Rector, Drake Jackson in there. Nick Figueroa. Nick Figueroa, the, the, Caleb Tremblay. The the four-man front that USC has, has moved to this year, they were a two-man front and then a three-man front and then became a four-man front this year. Uh, maybe next year Clancy goes back to the 5-2, who knows. <laughs> uh, but they were very solid until Notre Dame, and Notre Dame just completely gashed them up the middle. Now... USC, we had known, had been susceptible to runs on the edge because they can't contain the edge. They can't get to the perimeter. What is that going to mean for a team like Arizona when you got a crap ton of speed guys like J.J. Taylor? You got, you know, Khalil Tate who can get get up, get outside too. He's the best runner USC has faced at quarterback uh, to this point. I don't know because Khalil Tate's coming off of a hamstring injury. He has not run much in the last two games. At the same point, USC has been so bad at containing the edge, but they also just look, you know, susceptible up the middle. I don't know what to believe about this about USC's defense, other than again, they're probably going to give up at least twenty-five points, and they're probably going to get gashed on defense somewhere, most likely in the run game. Yeah, well, the big question that USC now has to answer is: Was that performance against Notre Dame more a reflection of Notre Dame's offensive line? Or was it a reflection of USC's defensive front? Uh, because, uh, you know, Arizona, uh, their offensive line does not match up uh, to Notre Dame's. Uh, but they've, they've had some, you know, some success. They're, they're definitely opening up running lanes, uh, as you said. And, and uh, Arizona does do really well getting out to the perimeter. So they have a way. There are ways for them to, to hurt USC. Like, <laughs> random stat here. Arizona's power success rate, so the inverse of the, of the, the defensive one we just talked about. They rank fourth. In power success rate, 93.8%. If I had told you that Arizona was the power success rate king in the Pac-12, I don't know that I would have predicted that. But, um, you know, they're, they're, they have their moments, I think. But that's not the same offensive line as Notre Dame. So USC's, uh, USC's defensive line needs to prove that Notre Dame was a one-off, that Notre Dame was just running into a brick wall, more or less. And uh, reassert themselves against against Arizona. The question is, will Arizona try? Because Notre Dame, we we had this conversation on the on the fallout episode. I think Notre Dame's uh, Chip Long sort of had showed showed cojones by running into the heart of USC's defense. Uh, will Arizona even try that? Because Arizona might acknowledge, like, we're actually not going to win that battle in in the in the interior. Let's just kill these guys on the outside. That's going to be the interesting if, thing. If it was me, if if I was uh, Mazzoni, that's what I'd do. Yeah. 
I'd absolutely just go to the outside. And then when that doesn't work, pass. Yeah. If I'm Arizona, if I'm setting up Arizona's game game plan, it's basically like all misdirection, all perimeter, take your chances, especially because USC's best uh, havoc defender in terms of getting into the backfield and getting a tackle for loss will not be on the field. Uh, instead of Pale and Aoteote, they're going to have someone like Kanai Malgar, someone like Raylan Goforth. So um, aside from Talano Hafanga, USC is going to be down one of those, you know, get downfield and, and blow up a play kind of players. So I'm just going to keep going outside, outside, outside and try to confuse uh, USC's, um, USC's linebackers and also maybe take advantage of the fact that, you know, USC's starting corners who have done a quite a good job of shedding blocks on the outside and and contributing on run plays if you're running at dorian hewitt's side what is what is he going to do if you're running at max williams uh, who is a very slight defender then what is he going to do like th- these are big challenges that uh, that uh, arizona can put uh to put to usc and frankly if i'm arizona i am not trying to test my medal against marlon tupeloto and jay tufele just because they had a bad game last week i do not think I'm going to be able to recreate that performance. But do I think that I could make USC vulnerable on the outside? Hell yes, I do, because literally everyone's done that. UNLV has done that to USC. All right, let's 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 talk about how USC has shut down Khalil Tate for 90% of the time that they Weir- faced him. Weirdly, because Khalil Tate's like numbers are kind of okay against USC. They're kind of okay, but they've come but in they've, spurts. But they've shut him down for the most part, which the, is, the, yeah. Yeah, he had about 15, 20 minutes against SC in, in 2017 in which SC blew a big lead. And it was because, you know, it was wild because that game in 2017... Arizona barely had any yards. I want to say they were averaging like two yards a play. They were bottling him up like just perfection for the first yeah, half especially of that game. Chenna had a great game in yeah. that game in 2017. Then all of a sudden, everything switched because what did what did Richard do? What did he go to? Misdirection. Yeah. SC had no answer for misdirection. And all of a sudden, like four drives later, uh, Arizona is right back uh, in the driver's seat of the game. So uh, SD ultimately wins that game. But... The same similar things happened the, the year before uh, in in 2016. Uh, Khalil Tate looked good on the first couple of drives of the game, but outside of that, he didn't do anything. How did USC win those games by controlling the line of scrimmage? If USC controls the line of scrimmage in the interior, maybe that helps. But again, USC's been so susceptible on the outside that it makes you wonder. Uh, I, I think the Trojans are going to be more likely to shut Arizona down than most teams because of that and I think that you look back at Washington last week Khalil Tate didn't really do much last week against Washington what does Washington have a really strong offensive line I mean defensive line with big dudes in the interior that's what USC has too they got to use that to their advantage break up the line get in there force plays in at the mesh points and not at the outside don't let them get outside mind you we've been saying this for how many weeks now you know yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's the big the big struggle. But, you know, uh, there's an argument to say that if USC just makes sure that they don't, if USC shores up that interior defense and doesn't give anything away on the interior, then you can survive some outside plays because you do have athlete you do have athletes out on the field. Um, you just need to make sure that you're playing smart and that you're not getting caught getting outrun on the edges. And that's going to be the interesting thing with someone like Christian Rector who is uh, now, you know, in doubt for this game going forward. Well, who, who is the edge defender there? 
because Christian Rector clearly failed that test against Notre Dame, but maybe Connor Murphy does it. Maybe Hunter Eccles does it uh, and, and has a game like, I mean, um, Jordan Iasefa, I think it was uh, uh, last year uh, or was the was was it the year was it 2017 was Port Augustine out? Yeah, it was Jordan, uh, so it was Jordan Iasefa opposite Chenna Wosu, and Jordan did quite a good job uh, on the edge there defending Khalil Tate. So he's obviously not available for this game, but maybe Hunter Eccles has that kind of game. Maybe Connor Murphy has that kind of game. Maybe somebody has that kind of game for USC where they just step up and do that. But you need to see the proof of that before you before you sort of trust in it. Uh, but it, it will come down to USC. The, the thing USC always says, uh, they always talk about eye discipline. Like it will take eye discipline, you know, making sure that you're not getting screwed up by the misdirection and, and all of that. But these are all things that we've seen USC fail at. So, yeah, uh, I want to talk about a couple of things before we get to over under uh, passing games for both teams. Pretty good. Uh, Arizona has been moving the ball through the air pretty well. Uh, the the thing that I think is rather interesting is Arizona doesn't have a number one receiver. They have eight guys who have at least a hundred, uh, hundred receiving yards on the on the season. Their their top four, I mean, top five receivers all have between two hundred and three hundred yards. They are going to distribute all over the field, kind of like what USC does with the top three guys, right? Like Amon Ross St. Brown, Tyler Vons, and and Michael Pittman. Not not necessarily to that effect because they're not all elite receivers, but it shows that Khalil Tate is willing to spread the ball all over the field and get the ball out wherever he needs to. And the thing always to worry about with Khalil Tate, he is an underrated passer, uh, particularly on the long ball. Uh, he's not, you know, a spectacular, like he's he's not the guy that's going to tear you apart in the aerial attack, but... He will pick his pick his moments and go long. And uh, you see that Arizona leads the Pac-12 in pass plays of 40 yards or more. Giving up nine. SC only allowed one all season. And now they're going to be without their, their three starting corners. Yeah. So if he wants to test some some young corners, some young young DBs, Khalil Tate has the range to do that. Uh, he, he's He's got very good touch, very good uh, accuracy on those long shots. So that's the thing that you could really ought to worry about. Uh, with USC secondary being this being in the state it is, but explosive. I mean, it, it all comes back, right? Everything, pass, run, all of it. It comes when when you're defending Arizona, it all comes down to limiting the explosive plays. Yep. Uh, flipping around, USC's passing offense was very good against Notre Dame in the second half. Uh, they were hit and miss in the first half. Very good in the second half. Again, this is a horrendous Arizona pass defense. There is no football reason. For, for Keaton Slovis not to throw 350-plus. Well, this is where it gets very intriguing, right? Because teams have had success against USC's passing offense by dropping eight. But teams have been able to do that by going to a three-man front or, you know, four-man front and and basically generating pressure with those looks, uh, generating pl- pressure with the three-man front. Uh, Notre Dame did that. Washington did that. BYU did that. But can 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 Arizona do that? Can, Arizona can't generate. Is that a problem though? Because Notre Dame dropped eight plenty of times in the second half, and SC was still able to beat them. Right, but that's which what, I think shows a lot of. It's all about Keaton's composure and his. It, yeah. So that so, but this is my my point is Notre Dame had trouble with USC's passing offense in the second half, 
with because Keaton Slovis showed composure, stood in against pressure, moved around, moved the launch point, moved the pocket, and still delivered the ball into tight windows. Is Arizona's defense capable of dropping eight? And essentially what you do, Arizona's offensive line is not, sh- I mean, defensive line has not shown an ability to get pressure with anything. So is, Ari- is Arizona going to be able to deploy the same defense that Notre Dame and Washington and BYU did where they drop eight and then and then try to disrupt Keaton Slovis here or there or blow up a, a run play uh, on first down and, and sort of get the stops on second and third down and, and have USC's drive stall? Is Arizona even capable of that? Because in order for that to work, you need to have some presence up front. You need to have some success in the trenches against USC's front. If you let Keaton Slovis sit back there in a clean pocket with those receivers, with Amon Ross St. Brown and and as uh, and his ability to find the gaps in a defense, you're going to get picked apart. So I'm curious what Arizona's going to try to do. Because I'm not sure that, like, if I'm Arizona's defensive coordinator, I'm not sure I go into this game thinking, like, yeah, I can just drop eight. Like, I don't think it works. You know what the the Notre Dame game showed, and I think that is a huge thing for USC going forward, is that you can't just beat this offense by simple, simply dropping eight. Like like that isn't the 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 kryptonite to the offense. It's the best way to do it, but it still can get beaten. Right. Uh, it can get beaten by Keaton. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyways, let's take a quick break and come back and do over under. So you're going over. I'm feeling bold. Give me that over. I'll go under. I got to take an under here. I got three unders to take. I'm going to do an under here. All right, Alicia, we come into over under for week eight. USC's seventh game of the season. I have a one game lead. I'm 22 and 17. You're 21 and 18. This is a huge set of over under because we got a bunch of over under suggestions from the Robbots. So let's start it right away. What's your first over under? Mine is 43.5%. That is USC's third down percentage. Uh, and that's based on the fact that uh, USC is going to face an Arizona defense that is very not good at stopping teams on on third down, apparently, unless it's third and short. <laughs> just don't get, um, just get, don't, don't get any of those. Don't get any third and shorts. Uh, USC has averaged 41.89% on third down. Good for 52nd in the country. That's not what you want to see from USC. You want to see that efficiency rep, rank, rep, ramped way, way up. Um, and this might be the this might be the game to do it. Arizona gives up 43.18%. That is good for 101st nationally. Again, 130 teams in FBS. 101st nationally for Arizona's defense. So, will USC be above Arizona's per, uh, average on third downs? 35, 43.5%. Lisa, where is this game being played? At the Coliseum. All right, and Nessie's going to wear what color jerseys? Cardinal. Okay, and who's the quarterback? Keaton Slovis. Okay, and uh, what has SC done well at home? Uh, win games. Yeah, over. Yeah, I'm I'm also going on the over. I, I feel like I probably should have set this at something harder, like 50%, uh, but uh, just sort of trying to keep it, keep it in around Arizona's... Uh, Arizona's uh, area. The, my concern is that USC has a tendency to shoot themselves in the foot, and that could get in the way of USC's third down situations. Yeah, I, I, I hear you. I just, 
I don't trust Arizona's defense at all. I think USC's defense is bad. I think Arizona's defense is terrible. Yes. So, yeah. So we're both going Which over might end up being the difference in the game. Um, who makes the most stops? Yeah. I, I think I probably trust USC's defense to make more stops. Because we've seen them do it. Yeah, right. But either way, uh, there's going to be plenty of yards gained at both sides. And I think that means converting on third down. Uh, by the way, spoiler alert, there's more third down coming up. Uh, let's get to... My first over under one and a half sacks for Arizona. That might be a little high because Arizona's only given up five all season. Five. Two to UCLA, none against Colorado or Texas Tech, but one each against Hawaii, Northern Arizona, and Washington. The Trojans are actually pretty good at not allowing sacks despite all the pressure they've given up. Part of that's because Keaton Slovis is pretty good in the pocket. Uh, 1.67 allowed per game. Alicia, over or under one and a half Arizona sacks. I am going under, and that is because as much as I dislike USC's offensive line in terms of their consistency, as you pointed out, their sack numbers are generally pretty good for one reason or other. They the the ball is they try to get the ball out quickly. Uh, the quarterback does it at least. Keaton did a really really good job of navigating uh, the pocket. I also, as much as I said that I'm not certain that Arizona will try to deploy the same defense that everyone else has with uh, with dropping eight, if they do, then they're definitely not getting any sacks in this game. So I'm going under on this uh, just because, in general, USC is pretty good at limiting it. Uh, it was abnormal. I think they gave up four against Notre Dame, and that was very abnormal. Um, so, and that happened a lot in the uh, a lot of that in the early stages of the game. So, yeah, going under. You made my argument. Perfectly for me. Give me the under as well. Uh, let's move it on to the third over under. Uh, it is yours. What is it? This is 62.5% red zone touchdown rate for USC. So USC's red zone touchdown rate so far this season is 56.52%. That's bad. They rank 87th nationally. Arizona's defense, uh, by comparison, has a red zone touchdown percent of 625 that's bad. They rank 75th nationally. So, is USC going to get into the red zone and score touchdowns in this game against Arizona? Because I think this is the key stat. I think that whoever wins the the red zone conversions uh, when it comes to touchdowns versus field goals is going to win what I think could turn into a shootout. Uh, but uh, USC has to not only get into the red zone, but they need to finish drives with touchdowns in this game because Arizona's too capable of scoring for them to uh, settle for field goals. And and we saw that against Notre Dame. When USC was on top in that game against Notre Dame, coming away with only three points was basically what killed them. So I, I want to talk about USC's drive chart against Notre Dame. Punt, punt, field goal. Punt, punt, punt. End of half. In the second half, USC ran... Four drives. Field goal, touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. On the road, in South Bend, against a top 10 team, they finished off their drives to end the game. Because of that, if they can do it at Notre Dame, there's no reason, as sure as hell, they can't do it at home where SC plays better at home anyways. So give me the over. All right, I respect that. I'm actually going with the under here. And that's just because I think USC is going to get into the red zone a lot. And I think that they're going to have to kick a, field, a couple field goals. Because USC is going to have something stupid happen. Like 
let a man untouched to the quarterback or have a random drop or have a random play. So I'm going under. Not right. too far under, but under. I'm just glad that we're finally different. Finally here, different, so I can yeah. Gain some points and extend my my lead. Uh, let's go to the next one. Over under four and a half Arizona tackles for loss. I had sacks. Here's tackles for loss. Uh, Arizona is 118th nationally with 4.33 tackles for loss. USC is allowing 4.83 tackles for loss per game, which is 30th, which is pretty good. Like USC only being 30th in tackles for loss allowed is pretty good considering how bad the offensive line has been, which means it must be given up like a bunch of like ones and zeros, which I guess makes them very binary. <laughs> the other thing that maybe factors in uh, in that regard is that USC hasn't run a lot of plays. Like certainly not as many plays as, as we thought they would be running. So maybe the, the numbers on that are, are pretty low as well, just because you're not seeing a lot of run plays and you're actually not seeing a lot of pass plays either. So um, this one's... Uh, Gosh, if it's above five, then geez, USC is bad. Um, hmm, I'm gonna go under. I'm gonna go over, and the reason I'm going over, uh, you made the argument that about the number of plays. If this is a, a shootout, plays. there's gonna be a lot of plays in this game. I, I would, if this is truly a shootout in which both teams. Run up and down the field, which they should because both of these defenses are susceptible. I'm rooting for 90 plays. There's, yeah, potentially 80, 90 plays in this game. So give me the over. Yeah, I'm with you there. Well, I'm taking the under, but I get you. I get you. All right. Uh, Let's go to your last over under. What is it? All right. This is 0.5, plus 0.5, technically. That's USC's turnover margin. So we, I think we've discussed this before, or we we brought it up on on Twitter. This was something Colin Cowherd pointed out, uh, and Ryan Abraham pointed out, and then we did some research on top of that. But USC has not won the turnover battle in 17 games, going back to the season opener of 2018. Is that bad? It's very, very bad, very extremely bad, especially because only a handful of those have been neutral turnover games where it was zero uh, margin. So yeah, very bad. Um, Arizona has forced a turnover in every game except for Colorado. They had six turnovers that they forced against Hawaii, so their numbers look really good, but, um, they've been not as prolific in, in the ensuing games after that, but, uh, but still, uh, uh, but still productive, more or less. Uh, so... Will USC be able to get out of this one, especially coming out of the Notre Dame game where they avoided having a turnover? Keaton Slovis did a really good job of not turning the ball over. Uh, so what will this be? Will USC break the streak? It's a long streak to say that they'll break it. Um, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if, if SC turned the ball over once and got a couple of turnovers from, from Arizona. But that streak is too long to predict that it ends. So give me the under. I think if anything, it ends up being a neutral. See, I'm taking the over for the exact opposite reason of you. I, that, I actually think this is a case of optimistic, Alicia. That streak is too long to continue. Like, it's got to break eventually. It's got to break eventually. And and at this stage, I feel confident enough in Keaton Slovis to not make the critical errors that he made against BYU, against Arizona, and protect the ball. Uh, USC's running backs have done a, a pretty good job of not turning the ball over. Um, under Mike Jinks, so hopefully that sticks around. Um, 
But, uh, you know, it's it, it more so it's just like it's got to end sometime. So why not this week? I hear you, but I'm, I'm just I'm not going to be out there predicting that a 17 game streak ends, uh, even if there's reason to believe that it could. Uh, let's go to my last over under. We talked about third downs earlier. Let's flip it around for Arizona over under 45 percent on third downs for the Wildcats. Arizona is pretty damn good on third downs. 11th nationally on third downs. At 49 and a half, USC is 80th nationally at 38.8 on defense. Trojans held Washington down at 25%. That's why they kept staying in the game. But Notre Dame was at 52.9. And that's why SC didn't win the game because they couldn't get off the field on third down the last drive. Over or under 45% third down conversions for Arizona. Oh, this one's rough. Um... I think it'll be something like 42%. So I'm going to take the under, but that's a very bold under, I feel like. Oh, it is, because I'm taking the over. I think it could be like 47% and, and still bode well for USC. I think I think if you're SC, you want them to be under 50. You want them to be under 50, and if, if they're under 50 and the numbers are like 6 for 12, that means six times you're getting off the field. Mm-hmm. That's six more t- opportunities for your offense. Yeah. Uh, assuming that they don't go for it on fourth down or whatever. And I think that th- that would bode well for the Trojans. Yeah. I think there's also a scenario where this game is Arizona scoring in chunk plays and not facing third downs as a result. So I could see it. Yeah. That'll be interesting. I could see it. Let's go to the Rodbot portion of over under. Uh, we had a conversation. This is all canon. So these counts for the records. Uh, let's go to the first one. JM Teo says over under 75 rushing yards for Khalil Tate. Oh man, uh, I want to say I want to say over on this, but Khalil Tate he hasn't really run for that. I guess he he had 129 yards against Texas Tech and 108 yards against Hawaii. Uh, I'm gonna go under. I think you do 60 and have a good game. But this is a definite under for me. Uh, Khalil Tate at 108. Against Hawaii, 129 against Texas Tech, like you mentioned, but not very much uh, in the last couple of weeks since his hamstring injury that cost him the game against UCLA. Uh, I got to take the over. I mean, he had a negative 28 last week when you account for sacks, which is going to be included in this number. So definitely give me the under. Moving on, Top Trojan Fan says over under 64.5% as a completion percentage for Khalil Tate. Uh, let's go with the over? Take an under. I I think that SC has been pretty solid in completion percentage against. Uh, They held Ian Book to his lowest of any team outside of Clemson uh, in his career last week. Uh, I, I think Arizona's going to want to throw the football around a lot, which means that if SC can, is able to get pressure, maybe that leads to some errant throws. Uh, top Trojan fan says over under five yards per carry for Khalil Tate, including sacks. I'm going to go over. I'm going to go over. I'm Not going by under. much. I'm going under. And, and the reason I'm going under is because I could see him have like four yards per carry where he gets eight rushes for 32 yards there's like a 40-yard run in there, and everything else is not much or a sack. Yeah, that's where it's hard to judge. Yeah. Uh, let's go to the next line, which comes from two different people who suggested this at two different times. The exact same line about the exact same player, and it is a miracle. David Orange County and Samuel in South Carolina. We got an email from Samuel in South Carolina literally 
like 12 seconds before we started to record. Uh, and then I was scanning through it and there was an over-under in there. I'm like, oh, shoot, this is the same over-under that Dave in Orange County said. One and a half touches, over-under one and a half touches for Keenan Kristen, USC's true freshman running back out of San Diego, the speedster, the fastest high schooler in California state history or whatever it is. Yeah, I'm going the over on this. I think that we've already established, I think there's going to be a lot of plays in this game. They talk about wanting to keep the running backs fresh, and so I think that means that Keenan Christen will be involved. Um, and if all goes right for USC, maybe in an end-of-game situation, they're handing him the ball. Ooh. You... Just as easily, they could just give it to Quincy Junty, so I'm playing with fire here. This is true. Uh, Keenan Christen is someone who's going to get Kyle forded, you would think, but by Malapai's injury could make things a little interesting. I'm apprehensive to say yes because i think that if you usc you want to hold him until november and so you can just straight up use him as you wish that's not how they use marquis step though i know give me the over i'll cancel you out there uh top trojan fan next one says 12 and a half for the aforementioned marquis step touches 12 and a half touches for marquis step this is an easy over for me yeah i'm taking the over here he's been getting 10 touches a game for the last couple of games, and without Vi there, uh, he's going to see the windfall. He he and Stephen Carr are both going to see a win- windfall there. Yep, I would agree with that. Let's go to game predictions. Bill Connolly's numbers has USC by 9.4 points. With a 71% win probability that has a score of 40 to 30. Vegas says USC by 9.5. Last I checked, I think the over-under, I was at like 67, uh, 67 points, which is... Sort of in that same ballpark as Bill Connolly as well. Uh, what's your prediction? Yeah, I'm going, If you, as I said to you earlier, if USC doesn't score 40 points in this game, then just fire everybody. Just fire everybody. Um, I think it's going to be 43 to 30, uh, 31. 43, 31? Did you, like, look at my prediction, which is written down here, and, like, get inspiration? I, I didn't. All right. 45-31 is my prediction. I like the 40-30 to 30 prediction, but getting 40 points is rather difficult. You need four touchdowns and four field goals. Yeah, uh, could happen. Or five touchdowns, a field goal, and a safety. Too many things weird can happen. I root for that outcome. <laughs> there you go. Uh, but I'm going to take 45-31 uh, for USC. Uh, SC, I, I think holding, t- tell me if this is crazy. Holding Arizona to 30 points is like holding most teams to 24. I would be. Is that fu- weird to say? Is, I, is that, is that, I think is that accepting you, mediocrity like my critics online uh, It's say? accepting mediocrity, but holding Arizona to 31 points, I think would be. I'm as, not saying it's good. I'm just saying that like, that is USC playing to their narrative yeah. of 20 to 30 points. Yes. Even though it's not within that window, it's out by one. But yeah, yeah, I think there's gonna be a bunch of yards in this game. I think Arizona's gonna move the ball. Arizona's gonna exploit the defense. Uh, they just might only score 31 points, which, again, to say that that's only it tells you all you need to know about this USC defense. Can but I change also, my answer? Go ahead. What are you doing? 43 to 35. 35. Okay, so they're just, gonna cover. Yeah, that's I I because I picked in the pick'em. I picked Arizona to cover. Fair enough. Uh, Let's go to the mailbag. We'll be right back. You've got mail. 
right, Alicia, let's start with a voicemail we got from Dan. Yes, uh, this is uh, Dan McDonald, uh, class of 1972, USC. Uh, the one comment I would make on defense, and they've got to do this going forward, we've failed to do this uh, last Saturday and other days uh, with mobile opposing quarterbacks. I would use uh, Hufanga, number 15, as a spy or rover who is just going to keep an eye on the uh, opposing quarterback to make sure they stay in the pocket and they don't run loose like this guy Book did. Uh, he's the reason why we ended up losing because we couldn't contain Book, but we didn't apply one guy as a spy or rover or whatever you want to call that to make sure that if he tries to get out of the pocket that he nails him. And that's one of your best speed guys and tacklers in the open field. And that's my recommendation to the defense going forward against Arizona or any of these other teams that have a mobile quarterback who can run and beat us. And if that had been done, uh, maybe we would have had a better outcome. Uh, there are other things we could talk about, but that's my comment, which I haven't seen anybody on any of the SC blogs actually particularly mention, or at least that I've not seen. Anyway, uh, thank you guys and fight on. Thanks for the call, Dan. I think that's a good, it's a really good argument to make. Uh, Hafanga is one of your best athletes on the field. He's one of your most instinctive defenders. He's uh, someone who up until that Notre Dame game was quite good at tackling. Uh, so yeah, if, if you told me I had to pick anyone player on the field to spy Khalil Tate, it would be Talano Hafanga. Um, I think that in addition to that, uh, because I certainly would rather him than John Houston, uh, but in addition to that, what you really need USC to do is just have their defensive line be a little bit more disciplined. One of the big problems that USC had in this game and, and in past games is the line just sort of losing contain uh, in the same kind of ways. I, I know that USC likes to run stunts and, and stuff like that, but it was hurting them badly when they were vacating the the spaces uh, up just straight down the line for Ian Book to just run right ahead to, to end in the pocket, not going outside, but just going up. So that's one thing that USC needs to get better at. But, uh, you know, Khalil Tate has the ability to take off and run at any point. So you don't necessarily want to always just pen him in. If you have Hafanga as like a safety valve, then uh, or safety blanket, then I'd be I'd be in favor of, in favor of that. My one thing, as much as I would support the idea, can you ever remember? Clay, I mean, uh, Clancy Pendergast using the the safety as a spy. No, but Huvang has been up on along the line of scrimmage a lot. Yeah. So I definitely think there's a chance because Clancy Pendergast has been aggressive in how he uses Hufanga. My issue is that I w- even if Hufanga is the guy to to do that, I don't want. USC's, if I'm USC's defensive coordinator, I do not want USC's best player on defense, Talanoa Hufanga, to be the guy that's a spy. Because when you are de- deploying a spy, they're essentially, you're essentially going down a man. Because that defender is not defending the rest of the play. They're defending one player. And this is the benefit of having a mobile quarterback. But I think you're playing into Arizona's hand by giving Khalil Tate a spy. You're opening up more space for J.J. Taylor. You're opening up more space for screens. Other ways to beat you. I get that you want to you wanna stop Khalil Tate. But I think there's other ways to stopping Khalil Tate than taking Talanoa out of each play by just having him as a spy. I guess I wonder how much... Khalil Tate's injury history goes into this decision because I wonder if a full strength Khalil Tate 
forces you to make that decision and take a player out of the out of the game. Maybe. But it, if and, he's, and by if the he's way, hamstrung literally. It, yeah, good good one. That, yeah. That's solid. Uh, by the way, I, I'm obviously over exaggerating by saying taking a player out of the defense because right. you're not. He's obviously able to make stops uh, once Khalil Tate throws the ball or hands it off, but his primary role is is to just focus on Khalil Tate more than anything if you're a spy. So, I don't know. I I, I, I do think the hamstring thing plays a role. I just don't know that I'd have it as Hufanga. I think if anybody, I'd do a nickelback. So you want Max Williams doing it? Maybe. Maybe a linebacker. You want John Houston doing it? <sighs> yeah, I don't trust the Steve <laughs> uh, let, let, Let's go to the next question. An email we got from Jay in Atlanta. Michael and Alicia have absolutely no desire to talk about the Arizona game, as we will probably win via blowout or a lucky last-minute hero ball play by an individual. However, I do have a question I'd like to hear your opinions on. Uh, you have stated your perspectives on Urban Meyer as your next head coach. What do you think of Meyer as a head coach and Jim Leonard of Wisconsin as a defensive coordinator and their heir apparent when Meyer retires? Uh, I would also like to know what are your takes on President Volt? Uh, looking at the line judge with that, yeah. Okay, I see what you're doing out there, player. LOL. Fight on for victory, Jane Atlanta. <laughs> a, that Carol Volt look is extremely was it an, gifable. Was it approval or disapproval? I couldn't decide. I thought she was checking the dude out. Like that yeah, looked but, but, like but, a but but the but the post checkout face, was it like did she like what was going on there? No, or no? Now you got me thinking. I'm not sure. By the way, let's talk about the real the the <laughs> if the camera was zoomed out, what do you think why do you think she was actually looking? I have no idea. I, my guess is that there was something in the guy's pocket. Oh, maybe. Maybe okay. like like it was stuffed with like gloves or something. Yeah. Or it was like he had his hat in his back. No, he was wearing his hat. I don't yeah. Know. He had my guess is he had something in his pocket or in his hand that he was carrying, and she was looking at that. Yeah, maybe. Maybe somebody dropped something as he was walking by. Maybe I I don't know. I don't whatever I don't, it was. Either way, it was, it the, was glorious. One of the greatest gifts of all time. One hundred percent. Yes. Okay. As for Jim Leonard, uh, or I I assume it's Leonard. Um, if USC could pull that off, then yes, a thousand million times yes. Um, could USC pull that off is my bigger question. Uh, Leonard is a, a Wisconsin born and raised kind of guy. Um, he went to Wisconsin. I think if I'm, if I'm him, I maybe stick around and see like what goes on with Paul Christ and what my opportunities are at my alma mater. I don't know that I'd risk everything to go to USC. I Urban Meyer changes the equation quite a bit, but this so would also involve USC paying him a lot of money. Here's my thing about Jim Leonard. He, the, he is he played in the NFL as recently as 2014. Uh, he is in his fourth season uh, as a Wisconsin coach. I just feel like he's. I feel like you want someone with a longer track record, but certainly you look at Wisconsin's defense's defensive numbers, and they can't be denied how good they are. So, and Paul Christ is an offensive coach, so it's not like Paul Christ is the DC and he's just the DC in name. So, certainly 
Yeah, but but like you said, he, why would he leave Wisconsin? I think if anything, his play is that Paul Chris leaves for, for greener pastures than Wisconsin, like Oregon State. You know, like he moved from Wisconsin to Oregon. <laughs> that's the that's the path. Yeah, uh, and then you promote yourself that way. So I don't know. I I I, I I'm not opposed to the idea. Um, I just, I just don't know that it's viable. Uh, moving on, let's go to a message we got on Slack from Richard. The Notre Dame game was probably USC's second best performance of the year when you factor in opponent, being on the road, etc. Or it sort of felt like that. While a lot of USC's issues in the game being the same as they've been over and over, USC specials, the defense giving up big plays, the offense not rewarding the defense with scores after stops, special team issues... Inconsistent online play, veteran player mistakes, etc. I was expecting this to be one of the biggest margin of victory losses of the season, and it obviously wasn't. One thing of note is USC did uh, seem to actually make adjustments, or at least on offense, in the second half. How much of this do you think came down to USC actually improving, and how much was Notre Dame just being a much weaker slash more flawed team than expected? The body body of evidence for Helton's tenure, Notre Dame's tendency to look very good at times and get destroyed by elite teams, on top of Georgia's loss to South Carolina, makes me more inclined to think it's the latter. What say you, Alicia? Yeah, I was skeptical of Notre Dame from the get-go, so I think that USC playing Notre Dame close had a lot more to do with um, Notre Dame, along with USC just... USC, we know USC has the talent. And USC has a tendency to play to the level of their opponent. Um, So, you know, them playing Notre Dame tough isn't exactly a huge surprise um, because you know that they're capable of that. But also Notre Dame is not a caliber of team that would take advantage of all of the mistakes that USC made the way that other, you know, other more elite teams. I mean, they would. did take advantage of those mistakes by going up 17 to 3 though. Yeah, but they they allowed USC to be on top in the first quarter and USC didn't capitalize on on uh USC could have been up 17 to nothing in in the third in the first quarter. And uh it's credit to Notre Dame's defense, I guess I guess for not letting that happen, but also you Notre Dame's offense didn't exactly put their foot on USC's throat either. Yeah, I think Notre Dame made adjustments. They went from a four-man front to a three-man front at times in the second half. SC made adjustments as well. We saw uh, they were able to attack that defense down the middle. Um, I I don't know. I, th- I think both things can be true here. I think Notre Dame maybe isn't, uh, isn't elite, but like I said in the car cast, I, I think how many elite teams are there? There's like four. There's yeah. two super elite teams. There's two elite teams. And then teams 5 through 20, to me, are all in the same category. Notre Dame's in that mix. USC, if they didn't shoot themselves in the foot over and over and over and over and over and over again in every single game, for all those reasons that Richard mentioned, should be in that group too. They're not. Yeah. Uh, They have the talent to be in that group. They're not, though. But that's that's why... They are able to play Notre Dame to a three-point loss. Right, because because sometimes SC can... they are that number 15 team in the country. They're just... They're also yeah. bad, so I don't know. <laughs> uh, they're good, and they're bad, and they're, they're Je- medium. Jekyll and Hyde, yes. yeah, medium. Uh, let's get to a Patreon message uh, in Slack that we got 
from Top Trojan Fan. If you had to choose USC to give up 300 yards rushing or 300 yards passing against Arizona, which would it be and which one do you think will be more likely? I like the phrasing of the question, but this is really easy, Top Trojan fan. You take the 300 yards passing. Yeah. 300 yards passing isn't a, oh my God, this defense is horrible kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, you obviously don't want to give up 300 yards passing, but if you give up 300 yards passing, they're it's not, not gonna... a guaranteed loss. It's not a guaranteed loss. If you give yes. up 300 yards rushing, you lost. More than likely, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Unless it's UNLV. Unless it's UNLV. But what happened in the UNLV game? USC won the turnover battle. That's right. You picked it up. There yep. you go. Uh, let's go to a Slack message we got from David Orange County. I don't see a way to hold Arizona to the 20-30 point rule that we've seen this defense, given the injuries on the defensive side of the ball. Are we going to need to put up 40 on offense to win this game? Uh, I mean, as we already said, I'm I'm putting the rod index at 38 in this game, so yes. Yes, and and it's not just that USC is going to need to score 40 points to win this game. It's USC has no business not scoring 40 points in this game. USC has no football reason not to score 40 points. Is that what we're saying? Yes, that's exactly what we're saying. No football reason. Which means they won't. Uh, Let's go to the next part of Dave's message. Uh, This game is on the Pac-12 network. I also have family obligations on Saturday. Is it acceptable to save myself the aggravation and just not watch? Um, on paper, yes. On paper, I totally understand if anyone doesn't want to put themselves through another USC game. But as a conversation that happened in our THT uh, DM group, but at the same time, you're a USC fan, so inherently you're a masochist, Dave, and I know you're going to watch it. Like, you're not going to be able to not tune in. Just, like, admit that to yourself and uh, and and accept the aggravation. I don't think it's just a USC thing. I think it's a sports fan. Sports fans. Yeah. Masochists, like, yeah. Masochists, obsessive, if you were a diehard, I don't see how you cannot be tuned into the game. Even if you say that you, you don't want to. Because usually what happens, and we've talked to the Traveler Hitch Thursdays guys about this, what happens at the beginning of the week, you're like, oh, this game's going to be a blowout. Oh, they have no chance. By kickoff, you're, you're, you're talking yourself into every single reason why, you know what, SC actually has a chance that they might win this game. Like, what if this is the game when USC scores 60 points? Yeah. And puts in a complete performance? What if? Save that for, the, like, your uh, your rewatch. <laughs> just, just in case. Just in case. Uh, maybe. Uh, let's go to an email we got from Samuel, the one we mentioned earlier. Hey, Michael and Lisa, this is Samuel from South Carolina. I'm going to be traveling to L.A. this weekend to attend my first USC home game. Hey, congrats. Awesome, on homecoming. I've taken your advice to start watching for certain players and to celebrate when they make big plays and things like that. If you had to choose one player from USC on offense and defense to have a standout performance, who would you say that that would be? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think that uh, I am always happy to root for Michael Pittman. I think he is is a, a fun player. He's got a good good head on his shoulder uh, and um, head on his shoulders. He has more than one shoulder, uh, and he's an exciting player who I think you could you could definitely root for for having a big game. Um, but you know, Keaton. I think is also somebody that 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 you can root for. Uh, personally, my favorite as a as a tight end lover, I really like to see Eric Cromenhoek succeed. Stop throwing to the tight end. Well, they threw to the tight end against Notre Dame, and it was great. Uh, so, yeah, I'll, 
personally, I'll go with Eric Cromenhoek because I, I like the under like Eric Cromenhoek is the new Red Ellison for me. The question is, who do you expect to have a standout performance? You think Eric Cromenhoek is going to have a standout? No, I performance? said if I had to choose one player. To have a standout performance, I would choose Eric Cromenhoek to have a standout I performance. I think you're reading this question completely differently. No, he's saying he, because he's saying that he's he's taking our advice and he's going to watch for certain players and celebrate when they make big plays. So if I had to choose one player to have a big the yeah, big game, we are reading this completely. You're saying who would you pick? To, who would you who would you want to have a standout yes. performance? I read this as. Who are you predicting to have a standout performance in this game? That's how I read it. No, because in the context of watching four certain players and celebrating their triumphs. Yeah, I think he's asking us who we should who we should be keeping I'm, an eye on. I'm, okay, final okay, answer. You answer that way, I answer I'll mine. answer both questions. Eric Cromenhoek, because if Eric Cromenhoek came out and had like a three-touchdown game, how cool would that be? It'd be pretty cool. Uh, the answer is Keaton um, on offense. And uh, on defense, I'm going to go with... Max Williams, because how cool would that be if, if a guy comes in as the, as the backup and just has a big, big game? Sarah, Sarah guy picking off a Sarah guy? There you go. There you go. But the, but your version of this question is probably uh, Talano Hafanga. I go Michael Pittman is the prediction on offense, and Jay Tufele is the prediction on defense. Drake Jackson would also be one that pops in my head. Sure, there you go. Uh, in terms of who I'd I'd like to see have a standout performance, um, first of all, you know there's only one answer. And this is <laughs> offense and defense because there's a need for him at corner two. Dom Davis down the sideline. Yes. You know who's it. the most unlucky player in the history of of uh, of the game aside from Dom Trey Davis Madden? Down the sideline. Dom Davis changes positions. At the worst He'd possible be starting this time. Week. Oh my god! If he had remained at running back, he would have had time. If he had remained he at corner, put himself in the he would discussion. Yes, but he sw- he switches positions right when Dude. the injury crisis hits. It's a struggle. It's it's been a trying week in, in the Dominic Davis fan community. <laughs> A, like the, a lot of people turn up to those the, meetings. The, the the DM group that we have, the the Dominic Davis stand group. Uh huh. It's just been it's been a trying time this week. It's like this has been the opportunity, but no buy, which means maybe there's an opportunity on offense. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Uh, Samuel also says, "What would you recommend in terms of tailgating food before the game?" Again, a question that has two interpretations. Is he saying tailgating food because he's going to be tailgating? He's going to grill up food. Yes. Or is he recommending a place for us to send him to go? No, he's asking, what would you recommend in terms of tailgating food? Tailgating food is very specific. Okay, fine, fine. Don't overthink this, Michael. I overthink everything. Okay, so um, you cannot go wrong with burgers, in my opinion. But, but, I really enjoy our tailgates when we do uh, chicken, pollo asado. So... Tacos. Tacos, and you can do it with pollo asada or carne asada. Yes. There you go. Yeah. Uh, by the way, if you want a recommendation on where to go, El Cholo. <laughs> uh, just take the train uh, up two stations to LA Live, and get, it's right there. You can get tacos there, too. You can get tacos there. It's yeah. SC alumni owned. Uh, it's a bunch of SC stuff there. It's yeah. great food, great Mexican food. But uh, Which you have to have if you're coming from South Carolina. There's probably like no good Mexican food over there. 
Yeah. You got to have... Go to El Cholo. Go to El Cholo. Yeah. Uh, Samuel also says, I have an over... Oh, we already got to that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he finishes with fight on. Can't wait to see the Coliseum, Samuel. Uh, from South Carolina. I'm so excited for you, Samuel. It, the Coliseum is amazing, and to look on it for the first time is just a, a sight. It's a wonder. And oh the- my God, you, your first in person impression of the Coliseum is going to be the naked peristyle, and it is gorgeous. And it's going to be awesome. Uh, I personally think that the, the Scholarship Club Tower looks great uh that the that the coliseum looks excellent with it there uh so freaking awesome dude so so i think you're gonna enjoy yourself i I hope you enjoy yourself yeah let us know let us know how it goes yeah we we, want to hear everyone's invested now we are invested our listeners are invested we're all rooting for you we want to know how it goes uh everything we we want to know all the details so uh have a good time and uh if you're listening to this anybody going to the game have a good time. USC in Arizona, 6.30 p.m. Pacific time on the Pac-12 network at the Coliseum. USC, a nine-and-a-half point favorite. It's a big win USC needs to get if they want to win the Pac-12 South. Um, that's that's the first rung to get to where they want to be, which is the Rose Bowl. So, yeah, that's going to wrap up this episode. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at of Troy. Like us on Apple Podcast. Like us on Facebook. You can you can like us on Apple Podcasts and yeah. leave us a review. Five stars. There. Yeah, that, that works too. Uh, bonus episodes, Patreon, patreon.com slash Five fifty five for all of our bonus content. But 10 bucks, you get to join the Slack channel as well. Lisa, you know the final word. The final word that is... That was a weird delivery, I know. I, I think you also called me Lisa, which was... Did I? Yeah. Oh, which is dear. interesting. Is that better or worse should than Should we Alicia? go back and cut it? <laughs> no, we shouldn't. We should leave oh, no, it. Oh, no, no. I... I <laughs> I cringe when anyone calls you Alicia. You care way more about people calling me Alicia than I It bothers I do. me. It really bothers me. Your name okay, is not Alicia. It's okay, Alicia. Okay, Mikhail. Don't, don't even care. <laughs> uh, the final word is... Uh, parastyle. As in back home, that means we all get to enjoy the you, beautiful parastyle. Do you prefer a naked parastyle or a scantily clad parastyle? Naked parastyle. Oh, wait. Does scantily clad involve the red lights? Because I really want them to bring those back. Maybe. I like scantily clad. Leave a little to the imagination. There you go. Scantily clad parastyle. Yeah. All right. We will catch you guys later. Until then, see ya. See ya. See ya.